Safer Chemicals Podcast. Sound science on harmful chemicals. Brought to you by the European Chemicals Agency. Hello and welcome to the Safer Chemicals Podcast. I'm Adam, your host for this episode. Lead has been used in ammunition for hunting and sports shooting, as well as in fishing tackle, for centuries. It is estimated that each year around 100,000 tons of lead is dispersed into the EU environment from these uses. The European Chemicals Agency has looked into the possible risks to wildlife, livestock, the environment and our health. It concluded that there are risks that are not adequately controlled and need to be addressed at EU level. We met with Dr. David Scallon from the European Federation for Hunting and Conservation during an event organized by ECHA where stakeholders shared their views on the restriction of lead ammunition in hunting. FACE represents 7 million hunters in Europe. We're here because we're a key stakeholder in this process um, by the European Chemicals Agency. It's preparing um, uh, a possible restriction on the use of all lead uh, in all ammunition for hunting and sports shooting. So obviously this can have major implications on the uh, community of 7 million European hunters. So we're here to represent the views of European hunters in this discussion. So you mentioned a potentially huge impact from a total ban to the 7 million hunters you represent. Can you describe a little bit what those potential impacts could be? Lead is a problem for water birds uh, and wetlands and we've been supporting a phase out of uh, the use of lead shot for hunting uh, of water birds for 20 years now. Um, and that's because there is a clear risk there to water birds and wetlands. Um, outside of wetlands, uh, in terrestrial environments, there is risk, but in general that risk is much lower. And where you have risk, we feel this risk can be managed. Uh, if, you, if you shoot an animal in the field, um, you will generally grolic it in the field. And if you're using lead bullets, um, you can have cases where fragments of the bullets can be in the green or red offal, so the heart, lungs, etc. If you leave that in the field, uh, we see a few cases in the Alps where uh, scavengers, vultures can uh, in, eat that because it's an important source of food, uh, and they can ingest lead fragments as well. Uh, you can manage that through offal management. You can remove the entire carcass with you without grolicking it in a field. Um, or in very specific cases, if you have a very specific risk, uh, you can use, uh, use non-lead rifle ammunition. Uh, applying that holistically across the EU, uh, you have different levels of risk. And our members feel that this is an approach that should be looked at in a proportionate manner. In many countries, you have an extremely low risk. Uh, outside of wetlands and they feel that uh, a move, a full move away from all lead in all ammunition uh, isn't proportionate with the level of risk that's there. Some people that I've interviewed earlier today have said that, um, that even if you remove those parts of the bird where the pellets are stuck there is still a risk of potential exposure especially for hunters and their families who are consuming a lot of the meat. What do you think about that? The human health argument um, is important Several national food agencies have issued advice, and it's generally risk management advice, 
They identify certain groups that should uh, reduce or avoid consumption of lead shot gay meat. It's typically um, pregnant women, young children. Um, this, the standard advice is you can manage that risk. Uh, you can cut around the wound channel, and then you remove that risk. Uh, and that has been shown in, for example, Sweden, and the Swedish advice, which has been followed by Norway. Of course, there are cases where you, you may get a, a fragment of lead in another part of the carcass. But you put this in the context of um, the EU's approach to lead and foodstuffs, and they set maximum uh, limits for livestock, for example. So it's looking at it in a, in, a, in, a, in a proportionate way. If you want zero risk, zero eradication, uh, okay, some will argue you need a total ban on lead, but we feel that the risk management practice uh, is acceptable to reduce that risk. You mentioned an impact, so let's say there is a total ban, EU-wide ban for lead. What kind of impacts would it have on, on hunters? You have to look at the socioeconomics. So, for example, we feel that there are many countries where there are um, real issues with the firearms that are currently being used. For example, our Polish member will tell us that 70% of the shotguns in use would have to be either modified, adapted, uh, well, tested first, and in some cases replaced for the use of um, non-lead shot. And it's trying to under understand that socioeconomically. Um, one of the projects we're doing now, we're trying to find out what firearms exist, I mean, what shotguns, what are the barrel length, uh, chamber sizes, uh, date of manufacture, whether they're tested, proofed, etc., etc. Um, the other major impact would be, uh, if just if you take rifle ammunition, for example, uh, you have some calibers where there are uh, alternatives there are non-lead rifle ammunition in use and then you have other calibers where there's no feasible or tested, economically feasible or tested alternatives in use. Um, and that's a real challenge. What do you do with all of these um, uh, calibers? Certainly the hunting community isn't uh, confident that you can switch to non-lead in rifle ammunition uh, anytime soon. So it's quite complex to see um, where you have non-lead rifle ammunition and where you don't have non-lead rifle ammunition and then how do you approach that from a, a socio-economic perspective, from a technical perspective. One person that I interviewed gave the example of the Netherlands and Denmark where there is a total ban. Do you have any experience from there? I mean, have they had issues in replacing it? Denmark and the Netherlands uh, and a part of Belgium have a ban on lead shot. Uh, and that was a long process, been in place for, let's say, 20 years. Uh, it's a more recent uh, addition in the Flemish part of Belgium. That seems to be working well in Denmark and the Netherlands. Uh, hunters will say, our member will tell us hunters are satisfied there. In other parts of Europe, we're not getting the same um, uh, message. For example, where they're hunting different species, uh, much smaller birds in the Mediterranean region, there's more of a concern about uh, about safety, about ricochets, uh, where there's much more there's much more rock present in the Mediterranean. It's a case of looking at these countries and seeing what are the types of firearms that are in use. Anything else you'd like to highlight in terms of your organization's priorities, especially in view of this process? Lead has been looked at in a number of countries. Outside of wetlands, there's reports showing the risk is low. For example, in France, in Spain, uh, in Norway, from what I understand. Our concern 
is that can the European Chemicals Agency look at this in a proportionate way? The way in which risk is approached is very interesting. Um, we sense that there will be a, a zero risk approach by the Risk Assessment Committee. Um, there are many knowledge gaps. We are unsure of how these knowledge gaps will be dealt with. Does a knowledge gap mean that we don't have information here so there doesn't seem to be a problem so we can progress? Or is a knowledge gap we need some time to try and understand the complexity of the issue? Restrictions under REACH tend to ban use and possession. This is incredibly complex uh, and we've seen this with the current restriction on lead shot uh, for hunting over wetlands. Um, so that is the main concern. I mean, where lead is being regulated from an international agreement perspective, AWA is phasing out lead shot for hunting over wetlands, which we support. Conventional migratory species approached all lead and all ammunition, but the final text left it up to parties to decide whether or how to implement that or not. The International Union for Conservation of Nature had a motion on a path forward to addressing concerns regarding lead ammunition that just focused on water birds, wetlands and areas where scavengers are at risk. So this is an approach to looking uh, at, at restricting lead in a way that's... There's a big question about the level of proportionality. And um, I suppose that's what's very interesting and for uh, our membership that's also uh, very concerning. But we will engage in the process. Um, it's going to be very complex and um, there are cases where we don't feel we have the necessary evidence base at the moment and we're very interested to see how the European Chemicals Agency will approach these, um, these knowledge gaps, for example. Going more in-depth with these knowledge gaps, can you highlight a few of those? I mean, what, what are the big knowledge gaps that should be filled, and whether uh, you or your membership um, are outsourcing studies to fill those knowledge gaps or plan to do so in the future? A lot of this is probably for the industry. There is a discussion around um, non-lead rifle ammunition, for example, where some will say there are alternatives available, ban it tomorrow morning, problem solved. The industry will say, well, it's not that simple. And these uh, alternatives are not uh, at the same level as, uh, as, as, as lead. And that's a discussion for the industry, and that's, that's quite complex. Um, for us, we feel that um, there's a major program of work required to understand the socioeconomic impacts if there would be a restriction on all lead in ammunition. Uh, ideally, I would need a couple of hundred thousand euro and a few years to undertake that project. Trying to put this information on the table in terms of uh, what types of firearms exist uh, and the very specifics of those, separating shotguns and rifles, and also looking at risk as well. Um, there's big discussions about risk um, with human health. There's many that think that tomorrow morning you can ban lead on the grounds of a human health perspective. We feel uh, you can approach this through a risk management context. As a consumer, um, should I be worried if I eat a lot of game meat? Advice from several national food safety agencies is when you manage the risk, so if you cut around the wound channel, for example, the game meat is fine. Uh, the advice is typically if you are uh, pregnant or thinking of becoming pregnant or young children, the advice is to uh, reduce or avoid consumption 
of uh, uh, meat that has been shot with lead and ammunition, particularly if it hasn't had any uh, risk management uh, beforehand. Humans have been consuming lead shot game meat for, uh, for, for quite a long time. We feel that the risk management is being applied. It's standard game meat handling techniques. Uh, many of our members run uh, courses on the safe handling of game meat. Uh, this advice is covered in, in some of the national hunting exams. So if you're a consumer, I would argue that uh, if you're eating game meat, um, it's, not a, it's not a problem for you and you're following the advice of uh, several food safety agencies. Thank you for tuning in. You can find more episodes at eka.europa.eu forward slash podcasts.